All right, I'm Trent Demers, and you're listening to episode 94 of the Who's on Top podcast. And welcome back to episode 94 of the Who's on Top podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Fox. We've got a great episode with some breaking news that you know I'm excited about, but we'll get into that in a bit. First, let's introduce our host first from Rutgers, the Joe Buck of women's college basketball, Ellis Gordon. How you doing, Ellis? What's good? I'm doing pretty good. The Joe Buck of college baseball now. Now, yeah, I, well, yeah. is Joe Buck right? I don't know if Joe Buck writes. Oh, I thought you were calling some games. Not yet. I, I haven't yet. April 16th is my debut, my Joe Buck uh, debut. I'm, I might have to tune in. I might have to tune in. And also, I don't I don't see him right now, which is very un, unfortunate. But the fencing captain, the mayor, Jeremy Giles. How are you doing, Jeremy? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. As always, I'm at your service. I am sorry you don't get to see my amazing face today. My computer screen may have gone poof. So I'm gone. currently working on a phone. So we're going to have to, you're going to have to just listen to my voice today. I'll make it extra sultry. Okay, for a little cilantro. Wait, real yes. quick, I was arguing about this with Jesse, my roommate. Yes. Is cilantro a vegetable or a spice? Spice. A spice. Oh, Jerry. Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to tell him you said that. All right. Anyway, not important. Wait, what did Jesse say? What did he Jesse said it's a say? Vegetable. He, Jesse's hundred yeah, percent wrong. Like, do you know? Do you know where family. I came from? The thing it comes I- from a vegetable, but like that doesn't mean yeah, it's vegetable. exactly. That's what I said. All right, anyway. Yeah, okay, it's a maybe a vegetable the same way like basil. I don't know if it's technically a vegetable or not, but it's a spice. All right, all right. Just a just quick little small talk before we hop into the tip-off. Do-do. Baseball, one week away. Me and Jacob, were firing up the Twitter. We're all getting warmed up. Jacob's ruining his pants over Glaber Torres homering off the Orioles. And Higashioka. And Higashioka. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm so scared. Did you not see, did you not oh see that one, Daniel? Did you not see Let's that one? Let's talk about Higgy. Okay. Yeah, okay, you did see it. What a loser. Um, anyway, well, that's the rule. When Jacob's not here, we get the shit on him. But let's talk about some actual baseball news. Albert Pujols, after a decade away, he's entering his age 42 season. He's back in St. Louis. Probably not going to play much. Probably just a righty bat against lefties with that new DH role. But you know what? It's good to see Albert Pujols back. And can you believe that 18 years ago, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, and Albert Pujols were teammates, and now they're back together again? Chris Archer, uh, who's dealt with some injuries in the past couple of years, uh, obviously was the main piece in that famous Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass, now Shane Bass trade. He's going to the Minnesota Twins, back into the rotation. The Twins rotation is so awful. Why not take a shot? Tommy Pham, one of the last uh, marquee free agents, he signed with the Reds. Reds have to sign somebody since they trade away Jesse Winker and look to be in full rebuild mood, uh, rebuild mode. Uh, now for some injuries, a uh, little obituary segment. Evan Longoria, he's going to be out for a while. He broke his thumb. Uh, we were talking about the Cardinals earlier. Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes, they're both hurt. Timetable to be determined. Uh, Reyes had an all-star season last year, and Flaherty has not been the same since his breakout 2019 campaign. And Steven Strasburg is hurt again. He has a neck issue. He was throwing out of the bullpen today, but remains to be seen. It's going to be another injury season for Steven Strasburg. Yeah, Ex- yes, explain because I was reading up on this, and oh, I want your take on it. Explain to me why, like teams that like 
who aren't necessarily bad, but I don't know if they're good, like their athletics, the Reds, they're just spending no money and going full rebuild mode. It's just like the downside of having like no, like of having like small market clubs. They well, can't afford to be average. Cause I thought, cause the Reds hadn't, didn't have a horrible season last year. Yeah, that's well to start with the A's because the A's are the simpler one. The A's have been in this run for a while and they haven't really made any progress. And I said, really, they haven't made any progress in the playoffs. Last year, they took a step back. Their guys need to get paid. Matt Chapman was two years away from uh, free agency. Matt Olson, I think, was a free agent after this year. So rather than keep guys who you know they're going to uh, fall, like the A's have no money and it's this, they're trying to get a new stadium. They've had no money for a while. That's where the whole money ball came from. So they yeah. decided to pick a direction and completely tear it down. Now, the Reds are a little tricky because the Reds actually, if in the current playoff format, they would have been a playoff team last year. I'm not exactly sure why they tore it down. Their owner was one of the four to vote against the, uh, the raised luxury tax. So he's a little bit cheap, but they really did not need to do that. They could have, in the NL Central, they could have contended for a playoff spot. Um but I don't even know if they're completely taken because they did sign Tommy Pham, Donovan Solano. They're calling up Hunter Green, their top prospect. He's oh, I'm excited about him. I remember him in high school. You saw him in high school? No, I just oh, remember, remember him being drafted like, in and the cover. Like, I remember. Yeah, this. he was number two overall pick. He was actually a shortstop and a pitcher, but they're just doing him. So the Reds, they're just having him as a pitcher right now. So the Reds are going to be a little bit of an interesting team. Uh, but for something that's decidedly not interesting, let's go to Ellis for all things boring. Oh, welcome to your like niche sports. Well, let's start with NBA actually, which is not niche at all. Just we're not talking about NBA this episode, but it is coming down to the playoffs. So let's quickly get you cap, cap, caught up. Robert Williams initially thought to be out for the whole season and massive blow the Celtics. Though now they're saying four to six weeks, which p- could potentially put him in if the Celtics make the second round of the playoffs, could potentially put him in. Wait, can I, say, can I say some thoughts? Can I say some thoughts as the resident yeah. Celtics fan real yeah, quick sure. on that? So the time ward is out in contention for defensive player of the year. Um, that was incredible. Yeah, it's going to be a blow in the playoff race. Um, if the Celtics play the Nets, that's the only situation I'm, I would be worried about. I mean, this is still a great team. I mean, they almost beat the Raptors without Tatum and Brown on the road, went into overtime. So as long as they get them back for the second round, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. But um, they kind of need them once they start headed, going up against those heavy hitters. But regardless, um, in the West, Suns are pulling away with it. And the Grizzlies are honestly pulling away with it in second. Those are the two top teams. Warriors have slipped up recently, four and six in the last 10. Mavs are slowly inching in. The Jazz, too, have been horrible as of late. So that is the and the Lakers. The big news is the Lakers fell out of the playoff spot. They are on, on a free fall. The Spurs take their place in the East. It is tight as tight can be. Heat currently up first place, Bucks second by half a game. Celtics and 76ers, three and four. Um, 76 is technically four by half a game, but everyone's within one game of each other. And then the Bulls are five, Raptors six, Cavs seven, Nets eight. Can I just say, just yeah. how big a market LeBron is, if any other team is sucking as much as the Lakers and like maybe misses the playoffs, no one cares, right? So like, oh, they're maybe missing the playoffs. With LeBron, it's a huge story. Will LeBron be in the playoffs? And then, yeah, so that is how the, it's, the East and West are wrapping up, shaping out to be, excuse me. Um, good storyline for the playoffs, but we'll talk about that two episodes from now. Let's go to the more niche stuff. College basketball, we'll talk to spend it more, but St. Peter's is magical. We'll talk about it more, but St. Peter's is magical run where they got the Elite Eight ended. A 15 seed going to Elite Eight, never done before. Beat three amazing teams on their way. So nothing can be taken away from St. Peter's. Right now it's Duke versus UNC, Villanova versus Kansas. 
in the semifinals. I'm trying to think. Other storylines. Miami, great storyline all season. Great storyline all tournament. They finally go down to a Kansas team that could not be stopped in the second half. One of the best second halves of basketball from a college team I've ever seen. Scoring 47 of 15 in the second half. That was the score difference after Kansas trailed by six. So, yeah, nothing too crazy in terms of that. Shout out St. Peter. Shout out Shaheen Holloway, who's now Scene Hall coach. Annoying for Rutgers fans like me. Yeah, Shout out. let's go. Shaheen Holloway, the Scene Hall coach. I am so happy. For those who don't know, we are from South Orange. Scene Hall, I don't give a oh, How many consecutive out. episodes can Jeremy throw that in there? I think Scene we're at three Hall now. And then the fraud of a coach known as Kevin Willard, the former Scene Hall coach, moves to Maryland. So that'll be two easy wins for us, <laughs> and they can't duck us anymore. Um, so, yeah, let's move on. To soccer, um, inter- this is now international season, so not much happening domestically. Um, big news for Americans: USA is pretty is pretty much locked up a World Cup spot after their horrible failure last year. All the yeah, young baby, USA. Thank you. USA. Never been all, so proud. All the young talent is finally shaping up to be great. All they need to do is avoid a five nothing loss in their last game. Um, so they should be set and they're, they're playing against like Panama, Costa Rica. So teams that can't score five goals. Um, five then, goals. Ellis, when is the U.S. You know, you, by the way, soccer. you know, they just, you know, they just scored five goals. It was five to one their last game. If you're going to narrow it down to teams who could score five goals, you're not going to have a national sport, uh, international. Oh my program. God. Okay. All right. Okay. You might have one. Anyway, I will say the U.S. when there's a will for the U.S. national team not making it, there's a way. Yeah, that is true. Um, they do seem to disappoint. And then um, Canada making it for the first time since 1982. Alfonso Davies, their star, in literal tears. And shocking news, Italy, even though they won the Euros, they get knocked out of the second World Cup in a row by losing one nothing to North Macedonia. Upset of all upset, North Macedonia obviously is a tiny country with no soccer history. Italy is Italy, all the soccer history in the world. They've won a World Cup, but... Despite winning the Euros, this is their second World Cup. They just seem to suck in World Cup qualifying. All they had to do was beat Macedon- North Macedonia. I guess they couldn't. So, yeah, that is that. Um, and then finally, I, I I watch, I'll admit, my girlfriend told me to watch F1, the documentary. Simp! Wait, wait. Let me get my story. And I was like, you know me. I was like, F- no. Nice. It's, car, it's car racing. That, that's boring. It's boring. I mean, it's car racing. NASCAR is, makes me snooze. So, but I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the documentary because I will be a simp. And uh, it is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And I started talking to other people about it. And I'm like, oh my God, all these people also watch the documentary. I had no idea how many people I've talked to. Like, I can't believe it. So I was like, okay, this documentary is amazing. I'm going to watch a race. And because, you know, beforehand, I was like, no. And now after watching a race, I am officially declaring myself a Formula One fan with my fandom up for grabs. Um, the race was a lot of fun. It happened to be a particularly good race because it came down to the last lap. So I know all of them aren't going to be as exciting. But in that race, Max Verstappen beat Charles Leclerc, who seems to be everyone's favorite teenage heartthrob, um, by nice. 0.5 seconds. <laughs> Te- the teenage heartthrob of Listen, I, that's not- how how do you even be a teenage heartthrob? Like, don't you have don't you wear a helmet and you're inside a car? Well, wait, I'll, Man, I'll, show you, I'll, I'll show my screen. Out. Wait, I'll show you my screen. He's actually, uh, he's objectively attractive. Wait, one second. The teenage heartthrob. Okay, no, 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 but I know what you mean. It's also like, often I feel like with football and things like that, people are just too muscular. Like F1 people, they don't need muscle. I mean, he's a, he's a, okay, but 
He's, yeah, a, he's, a, good looking guy. F1. he's a good looking guy. No, I get it. Okay, and I will also say, I feel like F1 is a very big international sport. Because a lot of my, like, I, 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 I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah, like, I, we don't hear that much about it in the U.S., but, like, a lot of my friends that come from, like, other countries love it. Ellis like, cannot find a... I'm surprised you're not into lacrosse, Ellis, because you... you I, yeah, I'm surprised, really too, because Rutgers is... Rutgers is really good at real cost. Really good at these six to nine. Like, Seton, Seton Hall is all. I mean, I'm talking about Seton Hall. JHU is also really good at the cross. We're playing JHU this Saturday, apparently. Um, but um, we're winning. No, you're the dumbest in the country. In the in the country, we're number three. But regardless, um, yeah, no, I don't know. I I can't tell you why I like it. I still don't like NASCAR though. So it's NASCAR. But anyway, Max Verstappen, who won last year, um, right now, right now, Charles Leclerc is at first. Carl Sainz is at second. Max Verstappen is at third. Lewis Hamilton, who despite coming in second Matthew last year. Stafford? Max Verstappen, okay. Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, who uh, who's the goat of F one. I I even knew he was before you F one. Um, was a thing. Um, he won seven titles in a row. Is actually sits at fifth right now after coming back his controversial second place finish last season. So it's interesting. I recommend everyone to try. If you're not gonna watch it, I recommend watching the documentary. It is a fascinating documentary. Um, and I, it, it's a good watch, even if you don't like F1, because it's like a, little, a lot of drama. So yeah, that is F1. That is all my wacky sports. I had to shout out a couple of new ones. And yeah, Jeremy, I heard you got some spice for us. Oh, I always got some spice for you. Don't you worry. So you, I've made no secret the past few weeks, and then three weeks in a row, that I am a big New Jersey sports fan. We're all from Jersey. I love Jersey. And in honor of St. Peter's, historic top eight finish i thought we'd take a look at the best new jersey college basketball moments in new jersey history first question has a new jersey team ever won march madness no no wait wait, yeah yeah yeah, wait no no see no lost in the finals i feel like princeton won it in like 1953 or something Ellis is correct. Stephen Hall lost it in the finals. Do you remember one point to michigan yeah 1989 one point to michigan pj carly's most team very good Wow. Dan, in that game, the most points ever by a player was scored in the finals on a senior hall player. Do you remember which player it was? I can't tell you that. John Morden. It was 30. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I, I would have not told you that one. I don't know who that is. Yes. That was a good team, though, by senior hall. That was a great team by senior hall. Jersey history. And how many points, and you said that. In 1996, Rutgers made March Madness Final Four. What was their record? Oh, record? I know, I know the team. I don't know the record. 22 and 6? Oh, honey. They were undefeated. <laughs> what? Oh. They were 31 and 0. What seed were they? I, don't one. I mean, they were one if they were undefeated. What year was it? was Tom Young as the coach, right? I don't know. I'll tell you right now. I know, I know the It was Tom. <laughs> Uh, what year was it again? I'm blanking. 1969. 1976. What year was it? 1976. Because the 70s were when Rutgers were the one time the Rutgers were going to battle. So then in 1965, a player, Bradley from Princeton, scored the second most points ever from a player in the final four. How many points did they score? 56. Ellis? Oh, no, it's 29. Dan was low. Wow. 58. Oh, oh, okay. Whoa, That's, hey, hey. Good guess close. by me. You made it sound like I was 15 off. Yeah, you I were thought. really close. You were really, really close, Dan. That was a very good guess. Thanks. Who did, and this one's for Dan. Oh. Because, Ellis, you should know this. 
Who okay. did Rutgers beat in the 2021 first round? Last question. Oh, I remember that. It was Syracuse. No. No. Oh, what? Oh, did they play each other? No, they were, well, No, they did play each other, but I was in the regular season. Oh. Um, who did Rutgers beat in 2021? Oh, my God. Ellis was talking about it. I wasn't listening. Um, oh, fight your ass. I don't know. Ellis, you want to tell him? Um, yeah, it was um, it was Thompson, but um, yeah, but that sure. going back to that 1976 Rutgers team, that team was freaking stacked. Phil Sellers, Eddie Jordan, who played in the NBA, Hollis Copeland, that played in the NBA, NBA James Bailey played in the NBA, and Phil Sellers is a Rutgers legend. So, yes. and that was a good ass team. And that is my let's get spicy. Just wanted a short, a short kind of thing to honor. Also, sorry, real quick, shout out Tom Young who just literally died like a week ago and was the head coach of that oh, team. Oh. Yeah, peace. Yeah, T's and P's. Rest in peace. Great. Literally, only other than Steve Peichel, the only good Rutgers head coach ever. Yeah, but I just wanted to shout out a little bit of Jersey basketball history in honor of St. Peter's and welcome Shaheen Holloway to the Seton Hall Pirates. You can't root for sports at JHU, so I got to take Seton Hall. That was Let's Get Spicy with Jeremy. We are going to now move on to the NFL in literally 10 minutes before this podcast. We got some news that I've been waiting Two years for Big Bruce. Get out of town. About damn time. In all seriousness, Bruce Arians did an adequate job during the Super Bowl run and was delusional during last year. I I can't even be serious about it. I mean, you know what? I'll respond. Ellis, you go first. You go first. I'm I'm too biased. Um I agree with Dan that listen. Bruce Arians adequate is selling Bruce Arians short. First off, it's selling Bruce Arians short. He was adequate. Like he has a lot of flaws, but oh, his yeah. passing offense led Brady to be in first in many categories. That was a lot of Brady. Nothing away from him. That was also a lot of Bruce Arians. The best thing I can say about Bruce Arians is that he let Brady do whatever he wanted. Well, yeah, uh, I'll awesome. say this. I initially when I heard the news, I was like. There's other there's options that are better than Bruce Arians in the league, so not horrible. What made me change my mind and why I think this ends up being a bad move for the Bucs is because I am not a Todd Bowles fan. I don't think he's horrible. I don't think Todd Bowles is a wreck. He helped the Jets be fine. Um, but I just I've seen Todd Bowles on the Jets. I've seen he's very Let me in what he does. talk about wait, Todd wait. Bowles on the I Jets. Just, I just can't see how any fan can realistically say. They might still win because they have a weak division and like the the NFC Brady ducked to the NFC where the team suck. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm obviously kidding. I'm obviously kidding. But um, wait, 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 wait. I, I'm obviously kidding. But the point does stand that, that they don't have that much competition, so they might still be good. But I still, I mean, they definitely will still be good. Excuse me, the roster especially. But I just can't see how I can't see how one can justify thinking that Todd Bowles is a better co- head coach. Ben Bruce Aarons is in how this is not a downgrade at the head coaching position. Let me speak on Todd Bowles as the Jets fan. No, I still have a lot of respect for Todd Bowles. He's a great guy from everything that I've seen. I haven't heard like any bad reports about him, but I'm just going to be straight up honest. As a head coach, he wasn't very good. Like he wasn't terrible for the Jets. He never really elevated us. We were pretty much for grand majority of his entire campaign. Like he, he isn't like as bad a head coach at like, He's not someone that's going to completely ruin your franchise by having him as head coach. But I don't know how you could say Bruce Arians, who, what do you guys say is a borderline Hall of Fame? 
Bulls. And yeah, and I think that was a big problem for them last year. And the thing I'll say with Bulls, at least what I remember from the Jets, is like, I know, I'm was Bulls our coach in 2015? Uh, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. He was our coach. We like it was the year after Rex Ryan left. Yeah, he was there. He was there with the run with Fitzpatrick, and we had a very good year that year. Like honestly, of the past few Jets coaches we've had, at least to me, I think honestly, Bowles has probably been the best. And to be fair, we didn't really give him a fair shot, right? Like, he almost took Fitzpatrick to the playoffs. That's really hard to do. So the honest truth is, like with Bowles, I could see Bowles in a second time around being a good head coach. We didn't really give him much of an opportunity. Like, so look, do I think he's going to be great? No. Do I think he's probably a downgrade from Arians? Yeah. I do think you're right. He's more serious, more buttoned up. And I will say, I think he's a very good, like I could see him in the second time around being a lot better. Like I think he's a very serious coach. And like, again, with the Jets, it was, he was never awful. He just wasn't good. He just hadn't made a big enough difference to stay. I'll give Dan this uh, real quick. Um, For sure. Buttoned up and Bruce Tuttle is the serious guy. This team will be way more focused. You can expect the penalties to go way down for sure. My issue with Todd Bowles, and this was, I remember this on the Jets days when he had Fitzpatrick, was his play calling. I, it just seems eh, like, in my opinion, obviously it's always hard to judge play calling because you don't know exactly who's calling the plays. But I remember from his Jets days, and then that all blitz, I'm sure I, I'd assume was him. And another issue is they had Byron left, which at offensive coordinator, like, why I don't get the whole I will like explain it to you. All right, go and, on. And 30 minutes of reflection, I've been able to come up with this. This is a win now team. For long term, you go Byron, Byron Leftwich. He's going to be a better coach long term, but you might only have one, two years at this thing, two at the most, probably. You need someone who has head coaching experience. And if you do this, you don't have to fire uh, find a new offensive coordinator. Like the offense, to be honest, I don't really know what Bruce Arians did. Because the offense was all Leftwich and Brady, and Bulls ran the defense. So the offense is really not going to change at all. It's Brady's offense. Leftwich is going to help him run it, and Bulls is going to run the defense, and one of his assistants will probably get promoted to beat DC. Hold up, hold up. The whole the whole verticals design was a Bruce Arians design. I mean, Byron Leftwich might keep it, but that that the look of the offense, maybe he wasn't calling plays, but the look of the offense and the plays that were in the playbook were Bruce Arians' plays that you saw in, Indi- in Indianapolis and Arizona. Like that, I, I saw Carson Palmer do the exact same thing that Brady did last year on that Whoa. crazy season. Whoa. Well, no, 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 not like as good as he did, but I saw the same okay. play designs, I guess, my point. Not not like, I wasn't saying Carson Palmer was playing as good as Brady. I'm yeah. saying, no, I think, I think in year the offense is going to change. I think in year change. one, you're right. In year one of Brady Arians, it was a lot more vertical. Last year, they really did a lot more bubbles, like bubble screams to Godwin. Fair enough. Out, ball out of the hands quick. Like it looked more New England than Tampa Bay. Now, I think, I don't know if that continues in year three. I mean, Bulls is an aggressive guy. I mean, we see it in his yeah. defensive coaching. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But and, that's my problem. Bowles is like, I remember this. I remember actually the weird clip of Stephen A. talking about the just Bowles is always aggressive. He like, he doesn't have an off button. And sometimes that's good, but like, like you, you, you need to be able to change the head coach sometimes when the team, the aggressiveness is not working. And I, hey, I just pull Bowles' play calling leaves a little to be desired. I feel like, but well, here's the thing. He was so aggressive with the jets, but he didn't have the players to back it up. True. Now he has the players to back it up. Yeah. You, know, you, you could be aggressive with these guys. Fair enough. Well, we'll see, we'll see though because I think Bulls is not a horrible hire for sure. I just think it's a no. downgrade from Arians. Best I mean, option they remember, had. Yeah, it's definitely. I don't think Seattle's not a downgrade from Arians. But yeah, like I remember even on the Jets, 
you there's a lot of head coaches we've had that we didn't really love when we fired. Like I don't think anyone really loved Rex Ryan as a coach. Like obviously, well, hold up, Rex Ryan at the end, no, but Rex Ryan led you guys to two AFC champ uh, championship fair. games with Mark Sanchez. That's fair. Okay, so we'll talk about the. We're moving on to rule changes. We're going to talk about the big one, and that's the overtime rule change. So obviously, a lot of controversy in the past couple of years over. Uh, whether it be the Patriots in 2016, the Patriots in 2018, or the Chiefs last year, teams that win the coin toss, getting the ball, and going down and scoring. That's not going to be the case anymore in the playoffs, not the regular season. It's going to be a sudden uh, – each team is going to have a chance at the ball, and then it becomes sudden death. So what are our thoughts on that? I, I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but I like it. I, I do like it because I I do find it – like, I remember watching that – Pat. Like I was talking just about this on the radio. I remember watching that page. Patriots um Chiefs game I was like even if the even if the Patriots like deserve to win in the end Patrick Mahomes deserved to have the ball in his hand to try to at least tie it up I think it's a I know the argument is defense defense but I think this can't I don't think this can really hurt and is a little better at least yeah no I I 100% agree and I think it very much makes sense to me that this is something that happens just in the playoffs right because I think in the regular season, the priority should be player safety. And I think it's okay if games are a little bit imbalanced over time. I think that's okay. And I think you don't want games to go that long, especially when you have games every week. With the playoffs, I do think it really is important for game balance, right? Like, I forgot what the stat was, but I remember, like, with the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes games, the way those quarterbacks were playing, that game was determined by the coin flip. Like, and I, look, you can argue defense, stuff like that, but the way those quarterbacks are playing – it felt like whichever quarterback got the ball was going to make it to the next round. Like, I don't think it should be like that. And I understand you want to make players safety, but I do think there is a very important thing to balance, especially in the playoffs. So, yeah, I actually really like it. I think, look, I said, I don't think you're going to get perfect, but I think this at least very much balances it, where it makes it that at least both teams get a chance to have the ball, which I think is really important. Season shouldn't end because your best player doesn't get a chance because of a 50-50 decision based on luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, there needs to be some human element. What we've seen how many times is that when we get into overtime, the defenses are both gassed. And no matter how good your defense is, they just have nothing left. And most of the time, the offenses that get the ball first are firing on all cylinders. So... They argue that defense, defense, defense. Well, offenses have such an advantage in overtime. So to not get a chance to put your offense out there when the Bills would have done the same thing because both teams are just so tired. So I really like this decision. Um, and I like it that it's only in the postseason. Regular season, that would be too much. Speaking of the Chiefs, Tyree Kill's on the move. He's going to Miami for a first-round pick for five picks, including a first-round this year, a second-round this year, and a couple others. Um, no players in the deal. Guys, this was a shocking trade. Um, it sort of came out of nowhere, and it sort of came out of nowhere fast. By 11 o'clock was our first rumor. By 12.30, he was on the move to Miami. The Jets were always so in the mix. Sorry, Jeremy. But <laughs> it's hard to imagine a Chiefs offense without Tyree Kill. It really is. I mean, look, I think for me, I guess there's kind of two thoughts I have on this. First of all, in the immediate moments after, I was remember I we all kind of, and we were, and we were texting about this, we're thinking like, what the hell did they do? At least from a stand, from like a logical standpoint, I don't think this was necessarily as bad as it looks. A, because they did get some from it. They got five picks. But even the bigger thing is they didn't have to pay Tyree Kill. 
I mean, I know I remember the salary got like four years, 120 million. That's a quarterback salary. Like, I just don't see, like, especially as the Chiefs are trying to be a dynasty, how you can afford to play pay a salary like that to a to a player outside of a quarterback when you're already paying Patrick Mahomes so much. And I don't know. I think they're de- the Chiefs are definitely not going to be quite as dynamic. I think they should still be very good. And as I said, I think this is now going to be kind of a prove a year for Patrick Mahomes. But I don't know. I actually don't. I think in hind- at the moment, I didn't love it. But in hindsight, seeing how much they would have had to pay to get Tyreek Hill, I don't hate it. All right. It's definitely a loss for the Chiefs. Now, I think we need – I agree with you. We need to be – we can't overreact, right? I saw some people, again, on Twitter. So you never – you know, Twitter Twitter overreacts so bad. It's so annoying. But, like, the Chiefs are going to have a losing record or be 500. Um, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think uh, I'm not sure they're going to win the division fully, but I think the Chiefs should still be very competitive and over 500 this year. Oh, very competitive and over 500 this year. Let's see what they do with Nicole Hardman because I think Nicole Hardman has potential. But yes, losing Tyree Kill is going to kill you because there's no other player in the NFL like Tyree Kill. Let's move on to the Dolphins. Talk about a proven year for Patrick Mahomes. He's proved it. This is a proven year for Tua because wait, hold, the- up, hold up. I want to talk. I, I want to talk about the Chiefs. All right, bit. go ahead then. All right. Go ahead. To me, I'm going to disagree with Jeremy and with Ellis. This, I don't understand you closing your own window. I mean, this is what the Chiefs died. You could argue that they're better in the long term. But when you have a generational talent like Tyree Kill and you're still firing on all cylinders and he's still in his prime, you don't, you don't do this. You figure out a way for the next four years. Now, maybe by year four, it's not looking so good. But when you have Patrick Mahomes in his prime, Travis Kelsey in his prime, you got to make it work. Manipulate the cap. Do whatever you want. If you want to cut some role players, cut some role players. Because when you have Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid, you always, always have a chance at a championship. And we've seen that. And not only is Tyree Kill such a generational, dynamic talent, maybe one of the best ever. I've been saying he's the best ever run out after the catch I've ever seen. Probably in the history of football. But what else does he do on his uh, for that offense? I mean, teams literally had to play only two deep cover, cover two with two shells or whatever over the top. I mean, they had to change their whole defense because Tyree Kill is just too damn fast. Now they can mix up their coverages. They get key on key in on Travis Kelsey. And I'm sorry, but the guys they got Mal- Maldez Val. I can't. I, I've been on like three shows. I cannot say his name. I'm just going to say MVS and Marcus Valing Scantling. Yeah, I can't. I know what his name is. I just can't say it. And Juju, I'm sorry. That's not scaring defenses. It's not scaring defenses. It's not just one player with Tyreek Hill. He changes an offense. He changes how defenses play those Chiefs. So to me, the Chiefs are the third best team in the division right now. They are. Well, we'll see what they do in the draft, but I can't believe they would willingly close this window that they had. I mean, who who know? Like they don't have a number one receiver. They might not have a two. It's it's just it, it, it's mind boggling to me. I guess I there's two kind of thoughts about it. Is one is that I mean, look, I don't know the cap enough, but like I do agree with you to an extent with Tyreek Hill, but I I still think they have a very good offense. I guess for me, it's like talent wise, I could see them maybe being third in the division. I don't think they'll end up third in the division because they have the best coach in the division which is still incredibly important. And they have an offensive coach and what's increasing an offensive league. So, and they still have the best quarterback and the best coach in that division. So I don't think they're the third best team in that division. Just because with that, those two together, I think you can really be. I guess for me, it's with Tyreek Hill, 
I, I just, I don't think necessarily their window at a championship is closed. And I guess for me, it's like, as long as you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, the window at a championship doesn't close in my mind. I think Tyreek Hill is incredibly important and he makes you, changes the way you play, I agree. But what are you going to have to, I just, and to be fair, I'm not someone that knows the cap that well, but I'm guessing the way at least the Chiefs kind of saw it is if you're paying Tyreek Hill and you're paying Patrick Mahomes, and if you're like between them paying them about like 70, 75 million a year, what space do you have less left to sign players? This goes back to Patrick Mahomes taking that mega contract. And you can't really fault the guy for taking his first big contract. You can fault, fault a guy when he's 40, t- uh, whining to be the most highest paid quarterback ever. And also oh, that contract was, wait, Dan, that contract was, I, I know what you're about to say, but that contract also was more team friendly than people give credit for. Who, the yeah. Rodgers or the, uh, the... No, the, 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 Mahomes. Not the Rodgers, Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, Mahomes, too, it's thing. like, because the thing about Mahomes, too, Mahomes, too, you have to consider is that the market for contracts and stuff like that gets bigger with time. And that's part of the reason Mahomes' contract is so big. What people don't realize is that it's a big, con- really, really big contract now. It probably won't be as big a contract when the con- when the contract's nearing its end. Yeah. But, like, right now, you know, in its prime, it's affecting how they do business. For sure. It really is. And, For sure. But here's what – you don't think you can get Patrick Mahomes to rework that deal a little bit and say, hey, we want you to take a slight salary cut right now to be able to afford – Tyree kill, you know, like they could make it work. You've seen it. The states are ninety million dollars over the cap every year, every single offseason, and they make it work. And they add pieces and they stay competitive. And yeah, maybe, that's, that's, maybe that's, in reflection, they shouldn't have they should have given Hill that contract instead of Kelsey, even though Kelsey's still great, but he's three years older. Um, no, that's fair, and I I do think Hill's probably more important to the offense than Kelsey. And you're right, and I do think Mahomes honestly probably would have been willing to do it. Like Mahomes has been known to be. From what we know of Patrick Mahomes, and to be fair, not like an old person or anything like that, obviously, but he's been, at least from what we described, it's to be a pretty selfless person, right? He doesn't strike me as like a Rodgers who would like ruin his right. team to get a like better contract. To be, like, and maybe Patrick Mahomes is better than we all think, and he's going to elevate Juju to a true number one, and MVS is going to be some, you know, awesome Nicole Hardman's also underrated. I think Nicole Hardman. Is underrated too. I just don't view him as like I view him more. Oh yeah, I agree, Dan. I agree to loss. I just think people are overreacting how bad it was. That's my point. We'll see what they do in the draft because you still have a draft, and maybe like an Olave or somebody falls down there, and boom, you got a future number one receiver. You want to talk about the Dolphins a little bit, real quick? I don't have much to say about the Dolphins because this is obviously a great move for them. It's two has got to prove it because Tyreek Hill becomes a hundred like fifty percent less effective when teams know. When teams know you can't hit the deep ball. And Tua was actually not bad at short and medium throws, but he was horrendous at deep throws. This could help him, but he's got he's got to he's got to get it together now on deep throws. We'll see. The other, who did he have? I think this one thing that Colin, one thing that Colin Hubbard says, which I think is kind of true, is that this also probably, in some ways, I think this is the reason that Dolphins are able to do this so easily too, is because they're not really paying a quarterback, right? So they don't. So I think for the Dolphins, this is also really smart because yeah, he's a big cap hit, but who are you paying? Right? Like they they can't they can afford to have a big contract like this. Also, can I just say for the Dolphins, I don't know how great a fit that Hill is with Tua, but I think either way is kind of okay because I think they're more committed to Hill than Tua right now. And 
Just think of the speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in the same offense. That's so crazy to me. I I can't think of an offense that can that can do more right now than the Dolphins just with Hill and Waddle. I mean, the different ways you could get the ball into both of those hands, and you had a Chase Edmonds, and you had a Michael. Oh no, a Cedric Wilson, right? Yeah, you had a Cedric Wilson. Um, I mean, this is a really good offense. This is this is two. I mean, two has got to show something. There's not going to be. There's no excuses for him after this year. It's either he's a franchise quarterback or we're moving on. And I think people went on to a little bit too much. I mean, he was the top, what, 10, 15 pick. I mean, he was a Heisman contender. He was really good. And he hasn't really had the weapons or the protection in Miami to show you everything that he can do. But now he does. And they had Teran Armstead. So that's, I mean, it's one piece, but they also still have a draft. And these picks are not going to kill them. Don't they still have their first round pick from this year? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, this is a move you make 10 times out of 10. It, it's a contract you give 10 times out of 10. And now they're legitimate playoff contenders, which is not something you could say before this trade. All right. Should I address it? Yeah, you can address it. All right. So we did a whole predictions. We did a stat track. It was a good stat track. But Ellis... When I, I had to go get my charger, Ellis pressed pause and he never pressed play. So we're going to have to do it all over again. So we still have the same picks, but we're going to do it all over again. So this time I'll do our standings first. So we're in week two. Week one went well for all of us. I got five out of six. Ellis got five out of six. Jacob got four out of six. Jeremy got four out of six. So everyone was over 500. Um, it's like my free throw percentage. You know, uh, it's cool 60%. Um, so let's move. Let's start off our predictions with Heat at Bulls. Me and Ellis are, oh my God, I can't believe we have to do this again. Um, heat Sorry, at guys. Bulls. This is a major my fault moment. All right. Heat at Bulls. We're going to go yeah, a little quicker. Heat at Bulls. Me and Ellis are picking the Heat. Jeremy's picking the Bulls. Jeremy, you want to tell us again why you're picking the Bulls? I'm picking the Bulls because I'm feeling bullish on the Bulls. No, it actually has nothing to do with the Bulls. Basically, the Heats are kind of collapsing right now. They've blown an incredible losses with blowing three really close games at the in the fourth quarter. They are having their players are yelling at each other on the sidelines. They're just not in a good spot. I, I want to pick the Heat because um, the Heat, despite them struggling, so the Bulls have kind of never won against a top three team in the East. They have won one game against the top four team. They're one and eleven. Um and. And uh, frankly, the Heat are just more talented than the Bulls, in my opinion. So I got the Heat. Bulls. All right. Let's heat, heat. I got the Heat. Oh, my God. I got the Heat. Let's, Alice is done. Um, let's move on to Jazz and Warriors. Two teams in a bit of a free fall. The Jazz just blew a huge lead to the Clippers. They've lost five in a row, I assume. Well, actually, I know because we've done this already. I assume that's why Ellis is picking the Warriors. Uh, it's funny that you know that. The Warriors are in a slump. The Jazz are on a more slump. I know the Warriors are a little banged up. They're still the better team talent-wise, and there's something less. So give me the Warriors. I'm just picking the Jazz with the Warriors really banged up, basically. And I, I think the Jazz are just healthier, even though they are in a slump, which is fair. All right, let's move on to Mavericks and Bucks. Both me and Ellis are picking the Bucks. Jeremy, the lone one, picking the Mavs. Ellis, you want to tell us a little bit why you're picking the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, both teams are 7-3 in the last 10. They're both great. Luka Doncic, the issue is Luka Doncic is the only real player for the Mavs right now playing amazing. I mean, the team is fine, but the Bucs, I know they're a little banged up, but not really. And they just have more talent 
around them and they, they need to win it more than the Mavs do. That's not fair. You're using my, you're prefacing my argument before I say it. Cause you've already heard my argument. That's uh, this, not fair. This is well, this is great. But yeah, All basically, fair basically in the past few games, the box players haven't had like their big three, which is Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton and Giannis all on the floor at the same time. And I think even if they are all there, which honestly, they're all day-to-day, none of them are seriously injured, so they may be. I just don't really think they're going to be 100%. So as I said, I think the Bucs are a better team. In this particular game, I'd pick the Mavs, who are pretty hot right now. And finally, our marquee matchup of the week, the Red Hot Suns versus the even the even Red Hotter Grizzlies. Their Grizzlies are 18-2 without Ja, and the Suns are just rolling now that they got Chris Paul and... Mr. Devin Booker back. Uh, I assume that's why we're all picking the Suns. Anybody? Yeah, I mean, these both teams are great teams, but the Suns are just better. I, I mean, yeah, they're just better. I get they're great. So yeah. All right, now let's move on to March Madness Final Four. One of the greatest rivalries in sports. Duke. North Carolina, they will be... To- is this the first time they've ever played in a Final Four? It is. It's crazy. First wow. time they ever played in the tournament. In the tournament, they've ever wow. played each other. Wow. That is surprising. But well, I guess they're they're both always high seeds, so it's kind of tough. Um, so we are all going with the Duke Blue Devils. It will not be Coach K's last game. Jeremy, you want to start us off? I mean, yeah. I think for me, as it just kind of goes into the fact that the UNC has been underdogs pretty much this entire season, and they think they still are here. Duke's a more talented team. They have the, probably the second-best basketball coach of all time. I can't see him losing in his retirement tour in the top four, as Ellis said in the clip that you aren't going to see. And I just think that overall they are a much stronger team. Uh, I think they have much more upside. And I know it is true that they – lost to the thing about UNC they definitely can win they beat Duke in the last home game where you think they'd really want to win for coach K but I just can't see them losing to UNC twice yeah I just want to say that you know everyone's saying UNC is the hottest team in college basketball and that's true there's no doubt about it it's true but Duke's I know they came into March Madness struggling a little bit but they've really turned on Jeremy Roach who struggled all year has been a bucket in March Madness passing really well cut down his turnovers and Mark Williams who's a defensive mastermind has been playing great offense in March Madness as well and Paul Bancaire has only stepped up his game so honestly this team is very good this team is very good and I think Coach K can't lose in his retirement all right so let's move on to the second game it will be Villanova versus Kansas and like the first matchup we are all in wavelength picking Kansas why Ellis Villanova is the more consistent team and but one of their best scores is out and more. They still have got Gillespie and Samuels Jr., but one of their best scores is still out and more. And I know they're way more consistent, but can Kansas can be up and down. When Kansas is on, they're gonna blow, they're gonna blow out Villanova. They have the they have matchup Villanova because of how small they are as a team has matchup problems all around. Um, but you know I can see Villanova winning this. But that said, I'm going Kansas because because I think they turned on this game uh, and they've been doing. By the way, this I know Remy Martin has been a revelation in the tournament, but Abaji, their best player, has been kind of missing all tournament, which is kind of embarrassing for Kansas, but I think he comes back to play really well in this game. They win it in a close one, comes down to one or final one or two shots, and Kansas goes to the finals to play Duke in what should be a classic matchup. 
watch out for the contrasting styles. Villanova's play one of the slowest basketball teams in pace. They're like three hundred in the three hundreds. Kansas goes quick. They move like light speed. So yeah. All right. Those were our March Madness final four predictions. We both got a Duke Kansas final. Ellis, do you have a stat track for us? I do. And you just have to take my word for it that that stat track was really good. That they can attest to. And it took them a while to get at least the first second player. Player one. Ready? Let's just do this again. Player one in the East averages 37.2 minutes a game, 41.6% from the field, 33.7 from three, 7.8 rebounds, 10.1 assists, and 4.4 turnovers, and 22.6 points. Player two averages. Averages 29.9 minutes, but 46% from the field, 43% from three, 89% from 0.6% from the free throw line, 4.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.5 turnovers, pretty much nothing, and 18.2 points. As they guessed, I'll just spoil it. Player one, it took them a while to get it, but it was James Harden, who's having a really inefficient year, though he's still putting up his triple number, double numbers. Player two, it was Desmond Bain, who I already used once, but I mean, man, he's, he's just good. He's just a big Desmond Bain guy over here. Huge. He's just yeah. so efficient. The nice, one of the nicest looking shots in the NBA, man. He's just incredible. And honestly, it's not crazy to say that Desmond Bain is only playing a little worse than Harden this year. So yeah, pretty crazy. Considering their contracts, pretty crazy. So that is Stat Track. As always, let us wrap it up for the second time. But you know, now we perfected it this time. Um, <laughs> follow our social media, Definitely Instagram and Twitter. Is. W-O-T, I know. W-O-T.P-O-D-C-S-T. Capital W. Um, and Instagram, you got Instagram, you got polls. You're going to get the podcast in our bio links in the description of the bio. Polls, uh, Photoshop, going to new, new episodes out. Plus, you can go to our highlights and find our old episodes. Twitter, we post the standings, sometimes our reactions. And then we also post one of the new episodes out. And I like Instagram links in our bio. If you want to watch the best highlights of each episode, Go to Who's On Top on YouTube, W-H-O, yes, space O-N, space T-O-P. There you can see our highlights, your beautiful faces, so why not do that? Like, subscribe, comment, turn notification bell, all that good stuff. Finally, if you just want to listen to our podcast, normally, the whole, usually like 50 to an hour episode, we're at every podcast platform except for Apple Podcasts. Our most listened to platforms are Spotify and Apple, sorry, Amazon Podcasts, we're not on our most listened to platforms are Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Who's On Top, WHO, PostVS, Space ON, Space TOP. Subscribe, like, turn the notifications bell so you can, our, our episodes come out Saturday and occasionally Sunday. And on Spotify, you can now leave five-star ratings. So do that. Leave a five-star rating for the podcast, please. It'll mean a lot. Or just if just give your real thoughts if you don't want to leave five stars. Maybe a four-star. That's okay, too. No five. Little announcements for little announcements for the upcoming week. We got to pack three weeks up in who's on top for 95th, 96th, and 97th episodes. Next episode will be MLB preview. Following that, we'll do NBA playoffs preview and then NFL draft preview. So a lot of previews coming up. A lot of previews coming up. Good month. Great month for sports. I'm excited to talk about it all. With that, we'll be done for a second time. I apologize to my co. Talkers today, co-analysts and analysts, Fox and Giles for not for not recording. That was a big whoopsie. But so yeah, good. Just more time we can spend mm-hmm. together. Of course. Hope you had yeah. a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as always, goodbye.